Thanks for joining us for the Sermon of the Week. You can find out more information about Legacy Church online at LegacyFamily.tv. Father, we thank you, Lord, for today. Lord, I just believe that, uh, that Lord, you help me communicate and you help them here. That, Lord, that you're here today, Lord, and that, that, that we just thank you that this is going to be life-changing, that we're better because we're here together today, that we'll leave better today. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, I do have a word um, that I feel like is pretty fresh. I'm, I'm normally more of a teacher-type person. I'm normally more of a, um, you know, series person, line upon line, I like to teach. And, and, uh, and so um, not very often that I'm, I'm, I'm super preachy. And, uh, but this word that the Lord put in my heart really is a fresh word that has really stirred me up. And so I'll, forgive me if I'm kind of all over the map because it is really still a really fresh word and, and there's a lot brewing on the end. Even today I was writing down some more things that just keep unpacking in it. And, uh, and so I'm going to do my best to really communicate it. And uh, I actually was at our student ministry um, back home in Louisiana. We have a Sunday night student ministry called J17. And, uh, and just the God's doing some amazing things there. And so they asked me to speak this past Sunday night. And so whenever I was there, I actually had all of my teaching notes already prepared and was ready to go. And literally the last worship song, the Lord just began to speak to me about this passage of scripture. And just in that moment, just, just kind of wrote down three quick thoughts and got up and then just felt like I just threw up all over them, everything that God had put in my heart. And, uh, and so, but man, it was powerful. And, uh, and so I knew then that even having the invitation to come here and minister, I knew then that this was something I needed to just carry with me. I'll actually preach it for the first time. Our church family hasn't heard this. I'll actually preach it for the first time when we get back this next Sunday. And I'm just, I'm excited about it because I think it's, it's got this prophetic bend to it. And so I love when God does that because it's not me. It's just when we release it, I believe that if those that will hear it and those that will respond to it, that God will do something amazing. And, uh, and so, and I'm believing that for me, I'm believing that for our church family and I'm believing it for you. If you would turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter three, um, real popular passage. And this isn't a very complicated thing. It's not real deep. Um, but I, I just want to point out a couple of things that the Lord has shown to me in this passage. And, uh, I just believe we need to be believing for and responding to in Joshua chapter 3. We're going to actually read a chunk of passage here, uh, 1 through 17, the whole chapter, so just hang with us. Um, it says, then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim, is what we're going to call it today, and they came to the Jordan, and, and all the people of Israel, and, uh, and they lodged there before they passed over. And at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord of your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. That's a really, that's a, that's a, one of the keystone passages that we're going to come back to here in just a minute. If you want to underline verse three there and, and, uh, or highlight it. And then verse four, and it says, there shall be a distance between you and it about 2000 cubits in length and do not come near it. And then this is another really kind of a highlight of this, in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. How many of you know that God's the ancient of days, yet he is always doing new things? That, that, that God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, but he's always bringing us into new seasons. 
And when you know that and you realize that as a, listen, I believe as a church, we're moving as the big C church, we're moving into some new seasons. I think that we're seeing that in local expressions like Legacy and LWC and, and, and what God's doing all over the map, that there's something new, a shift that's taking place in the body of Christ. And I think it's important that we understand some things that he's bringing us somewhere we've never been before. And listen, come on, I think there's some great things about tradition. There's some great things about where we've been. But how many of you know it's greater to go where you've never been when you're following God? That you can choose to stay where you are or you can choose to go somewhere new, even if it's out of your comfort zone. But there is a key component here. See, I'm already getting ahead of myself, and I'm not going to do that. I'm going I'm to rein it back in for just a second. We'll come back to that key component in just a second. And it says this in verse 5, another key verse here. It says, Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Another translation says the Lord will do amazing things among you. I love that. I just kind of hung out on that passage for a couple of days, and I just was like, Lord, I, that's what I want. You know, I just I want you to do amazing things among us. And, you know, we throw words around like that, wonders and amazing and, and powerful. And, you know, we throw words. We call everything those things. But how many of you know that there are moments that I believe that God still wants us to stand in awe of how amazing the things are that's happening? Listen, I know that God's done great things at Legacy, but I believe that, that there's going to be some awe moments that you're going to stand and you're going to say, this is absolutely amazing. And it's hard for us to even put vocabulary on it, and it's hard for us to even explain it. But I'm telling you, God still has within his plans some wonders and some amazing things. Even though we've seen some amazing things happen, I believe that there are some new ways that we are headed in the body of Christ that we're going to stand in awe and just be blown away at how awesome God is. Amen. Verse 6, and Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. And then the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, I will be with you. How many of you know this is a transitional story? This is a story that is a, is a generational story, that there's a new generation that's beginning to do some new things for God. And we're going to point out some of this contrast here in a minute, but this is their really first big moment from Moses having passed away, and now the baton's been passed to Joshua. This is that moment where they're beginning to step into the destiny that was even spoken into Moses' heart, yet Joshua is now the one that's leading. How many of you know that we're in a season right now that we've never been in before in the body of Christ where we're seeing more successors and more young people begin to step in, more gen younger generation? I'm seeing that there's a preparation going on in a younger generation, and they're becoming to be more qualified. I look at young people now in our church, and they are miles ahead of where I was at 20 years old. I'm looking at young people that are rising up, and that God's hand is on, and they're getting, and where we used to put them in a corner, and we used to say, hey, wait your turn and do the process. I believe there's something that's happening in the next generation that we better be aware of, and we better begin to move out of the way and let them have a voice and do some things, because God's going to use them to take us into a destiny that's been in our heart long ago. And I'm not saying that we're disqualified. And listen, if you're an older saint and, you're, and you've been serving God, listen, I believe that our role is to empower them, that there's some things we need to teach and orchestrate. And we're going to see the joy of stepping into some things that God has done. But you know what? I just believe that God's doing something in the next generation. And then it says in, um, it says in verse 8, And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant when you come to the brink of of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know 
that the living God is going is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Parasites, the Gigashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites, all the ites. He said, I'm going to take care. I believe that there are some things that are occupying what belongs to you and that God's going to do something to demonstrate that he's also not going to make a way. He's not going to just make a way through the river. He's not going to just do one thing, but if those things are a sign that as you meet opposition in your life, that it's a promise that he's going to take care of whatever it is that's occupying what belongs to you. You know, I believe, I believe that all those ites, it represents all kinds of things, but the bottom line is, is what's occupying your promise? Is it fear? Is it depression? Is it anxiety? Is it poverty? Is it sickness? What's occupying what belongs to you? You know, the whole story here is that they were moving into a land that really belonged to them. God had promised them, but somebody else was occupying. And he said, I'm going to do some things now, but it's actually a sign to tell you that when you get there and there's opposition, something's occupying what belongs to you, that you can trust and know that without fail, I will also take care of those things as well. Amen? And then it says this, it says in uh, verse 11, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take 12 men from the tribes of Israel and from each tribe of man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bringing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing and the waters coming down from uh, above shall stand. So he said, I'm going to part the waters. Verse 15, and as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the waters, which now is at flood stages. The waters began to part. Verse 17, this is the last really big keystone passage I want you to underline or highlight. It says, now the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all of Israel uh, and all of Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. So there's a couple of things that, that I just want to highlight here. And, uh, and again, I don't, I don't feel like it's real deep, but I feel like it's, it's, really, it's really important. I feel like it's some things that we need to focus on. If, I, don't, I know we say these things and we have these, these, these preacher moments where it's, you know, how many of you are believing that God's, you know, you're moving into your promise, you're moving into your new season, and that God's got great things in store for you. And we can almost say that so much that we become numb to the fact that maybe God does have something new or maybe there is some breakthrough for me and maybe there is something exciting that's ahead of me. And, you know, I don't think it's just, I think it's individual, but I think it's as much that we better get a hold of this as a church. We better get a hold of this corporately because I think it's really more about just me and my family, although I'll get to partake of it, but it's really about the church of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and, and that it's really important that we understand that there's some new things that God's going to do. But, but I want to know, Lord, how do I get there? Like, what are some key thoughts here that I don't want to miss because I want to I want to be, I want to respond. There should be some response. How do I respond to this? I hear the word, but how do I respond? Well, there were some responses he demanded out of the people. There were some things he said, you know what, that there's destiny there. You hear all the promises and these things that have been spoken even by Moses and that God had declared to promises to the children of Israel. And we knew that there was a promise that was awaiting on the other side of the Jordan. But there were some responses that he demanded from the people in preparation for the, for the crossing into what God had for them. And the first thing that he told them was in verse 3, and he said this. He said, as you see the ark of the covenant pass by, follow it. Now, in those days, the presence of God was synonymous with the ark. 
when the Ark of the Covenant was anywhere in the camp, we knew that God's presence was in the camp. Remember, God's presence really resided and rested in the Ark. They would build tents as tabernacles, and they would hide the Ark behind the curtain in the Holy of Holies, and only certain people could go in. But in this moment, listen, there were people that were in the camp that got to watch the presence of God go by that maybe had never even seen the presence of God. I mean, you think about it, that there was such a, 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 a hiddenness to the presence of God for the sake of the people that there was, that there was the, when the ark moved, it was exciting because when the ark was still, not everybody got a chance to see it. Only a certain few got to go in and be a part of that. But when the ark began to move, the whole nation got to see something different. And so what he said was, he said, when you see the ark move, which basically what he was saying is, is when you see the presence of God move, follow it. I believe that what God, one of the things that God is speaking to the church is, is we got to get back to following the presence and not just following programs. Come on, that we got to get back to. Now, listen, let me say this, and I'll qualify this because I also believe in programs, but if all I'm doing is following programs and it has nothing to do with the presence, then I'm missing the point. I think that you can do both. I think God is about systems and structure and that God does want all those things, but I believe that if we're doing it without the, without the presence and without the blessing of the presence on our church and on our lives, if Jesus isn't the center and if the presence of God isn't in the middle of it, then we're missing the point. And here's what we can do is, is that we can push our way into our promised land without the presence, and what we'll do is, is we'll go too early or we'll do it without his protection, and then we'll get frustrated and wonder why nothing seems to be working out. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 14, God spoke to Moses and he said, I'm going to go with you. He said, I'm a, my presence is going to go with you and I will give you rest. One of the things that is a, 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 um, a, a synonymous experience with following the presence of God is rest. How do I know if I'm following his presence? Are you in rest? Listen, not absent of trials, not absence of problems, not absence of risk, not absence of all the opposition. But he said, in the middle of the opposition, if you're following my presence, I'll give you rest. So you can go to church and not be following the presence of God. You can call yourself a Christian and not be following the presence of God. You can be water baptized 15 times and anointed with WD-40 and all the great things. And listen, you, can, you could slide out of here. You're so greased up with anointing oil. But it doesn't mean you're following the presence of God. The question is, is do you have rest? Do you have rest right in the middle? Are you, do you feel like you've surrendered to him and that when he moves, you move? And when he speaks, you hear? And when he says respond, you respond? That it's not all about me. It's not all about my convenience. It's not all about what I want. It's not about my timing. It's not about my time frame. It's not about my dream. It's about your dream, God. And listen, that's for a church. That's for a church family. That's for an individual. That's for a dad. That's for a mom. That's for boys and girls. That we ought to learn to be sensitive and follow the presence of God. I remember... Um, that one time I had a youth pastor uh, uh, that was at our church, and, and he had grown up in our youth group, and his name was Kale, and uh, we're still really close, and uh, we laugh about this story, but Kale and I decided to go Black Friday shopping one time. Anybody ever been Black Friday shopping before? And so, you know, shreveport Bozier area is about 380,000 people, somewhere around there, and so we decided to hit the main strip and go. There was a, a circuit city at the time on, on the main strip. This was a Man, it been years ago. And I remember they were advertising laptops for like 250 bucks. And so Kel and I were like, we're going to go get a laptop. And so, um, and we were all excited. First time I had ever really been Black Friday shopping. 
And I remember I, I asked him, I was like, well, what time do you think we should go? And he's like, man, we need to be up there like 2 in the morning. I was like, I ain't going at 2 in the morning. I was like, well, how about we go at 4? He was like, all right, but the line's going to be long. And I was like, hey, we'll, we'll just go. We'll see what happens. Well, when we get there, the line is massive. I mean, it's like I think everybody's at Circuit City, right? There's no lines anywhere else, and it goes from Circuit City and down the sidewalk, literally probably a few hundred feet down into the front of Lowe's, and everybody's lined up. So we go find our place in line, which is probably about halfway in the middle of that. Uh, and um, the store opens at like, I don't remember, 6 in the morning or something. And so we literally are waiting there for about an hour and a half. And so we're waiting there. And then I start looking. I'm like, Kel, hey, look, man, there's people sitting in their cars. And, like, we noticed that there was people, like, it's freezing outside too. So, like, we're shivering, you know, over there just waiting to get in. And there's people sitting in their cars in the parking lot. And I said, Kel, I said, I bet you they're going to get up and come up. Like, as soon as they open the doors, they're going to come. And sure enough, at like 15 minutes till, people started trickling out of their cars, and they didn't come get in line. They went and surrounded the doorway. Well, people started getting mad in line. And so all of a sudden, all of us in line, we start walking up. We start pressing up. Well, before you know it, there's not a single file line anymore. It is a mass chaos at the front door, and it's like the, the people are breathing on the glass. It's like in the whole building is like doing this, you know, and so everybody's just sitting there. Well, you know, I'm looking at my watch, and it says, you know, hey, we got five more minutes. Well, as soon as I said that, all of a sudden, the crowd starts rushing in the building. Like, I'm like, oh, they opened up early. This is awesome. And so we run into Circuit City, and, man, people are like, boxes are going everywhere. I mean, it is like chaos. It is totally out of control. And so we run in there. Well, we get over there where the computers are at. Well, they're all gone. And there's literally, like, people wrestling over stuff. And so we're sitting there for a second, and we're like, well, Let's see if there's anything else that's in here that we can find. And so, But as soon as I said that, I turn around, and literally within minutes, there's policemen that are rushing into the circuit city. What had happened was, was that the doors didn't open early. The people put so much pressure on them, they released, and they opened. So we weren't supposed to be in there. And so later on the news that night, they kicked everybody out. Everybody had to put their stuff up. Nobody bought anything. They shut Circuit City down. So everybody that thought they were going to get what they were wanting, they didn't get anything because we were in there too early. Everybody pressed the doors. And so later on that night, there's a big news story, you know, on Channel 12 and the big news story, and it says doors breach at Circuit City. And then they were showing video clips. You know who was on the video clips? Pastor Paul and Kale, we was walking up in Circuit City, you know. I didn't know anything. I mean, you know, they had KSLA over there filming the whole thing, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And so, but you know what? I learned a lesson that when you breach the doors before it's time, you may even be holding what you think is yours in your hand, but you've been disqualified because you hadn't waited on God. And I know people who have grabbed things in their lives simply because they're impatient and they're trying to press into the new season when God says, just follow my presence. And if you'll follow my presence, then whenever you do grab it, I promise you that I'll keep the enemy from taking it. Amen? So it's important that we follow the presence. There's grace. There's grace for that season of your life when you stay with the presence of God. There's a grace on your life that's only there whenever you're following the plan that he has for your life. So don't get frustrated and don't push back and don't gripe and complain. Listen, the church may not even be where you want it to be yet, but instead of trying to press the church forward, let's just follow the presence of God. 
Let's just quit being impatient and critical and quit griping about everything and let's just find some rest in the middle of his presence. Amen? The second thing that we see here that he says, so he says, follow the presence. And the second thing he says is consecrate yourselves. You know, the, 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 the word consecration is really a big word for pre- preparation. It's a big word for preparation. Matter of fact, if I was going to give it a New Testament definition, I would say consecration is really about preparing ourselves for whatever it is that God wants us to do. And that can look like a lot of different things. It can look like me, you know, maybe I'm living too carnal and I'm living too much like the world. And, you know, we see many passages of Scripture where the Lord says, hey, don't be like the world. Remember Romans 12, 1 says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord, right? Then he says in verse 2, don't be transformed. I mean, don't conform to the world, but be transformed. So consecration and preparation is a transformation from me being like everybody else to shifting into being who God's called me to be, preparing me for whoever it is, the destiny that God's called me to be. But, you know, so we see that, but, you know, part of preparation also involves pain. Part of preparation, the process of preparation, part of consecration is understanding that there is purpose in pain. That, that I know that, listen, I, I'm, I, I believe that God doesn't want me to be in pain, but God will use my pain to prepare me for whatever it is that he's, that he's bringing me into. And I know we don't like to associate the two, and I agree. I, I don't think that it's about necessarily God putting pain or sickness on me to teach me a lesson, but I know that in the middle of that, if I will respond the right way, that there is a purpose in that, that I can come out of that and be better and be prepared. But here's the thing, if I don't trust God in the middle of it, then I'm not being prepared for his purpose. I'm being, listen, I'm just being hindered. And and even Jesus said, listen, I'm not praying that God takes you out of the world. I'm just praying that God gives you peace in the middle of it. I mean, he warned his disciples, and it it is a ripple effect warning that goes through generation after generation. It echoes through the generations. They didn't like me. They're not gonna like you right? The enemy was against me. He's going to be against you. That if there's pain now, there's going to be pain then. Don't be shocked. Even the, the, uh, uh, the, the um, uh, James said this in, uh, in verse, let's go there real quick. Let's go to James chapter um, 1 verse 2. I'm just going to read it out to you for the sake of time, but you can write it down. James 1 verse 2. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and steadfastness has its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I can tell you this, there won't be perfection and completion without trials. That's consecration. Consecration is I'm so dedicated to you that no matter what comes my way, right in the middle of it, I'm going to allow you to perfect some things in me so I can be ready for where you're bringing me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow you to prepare me for whatever season it is. So sometimes we get so aggravated or frustrated or we want to blame everything around us when we're going through difficult times. But James says, James didn't say blame. He said rejoice. J- James didn't say try to figure out why. He said just rejoice and settle into the pocket of God's grace. You're following his presence. Even Jesus, after he came up out of the water, was water baptized, the Spirit of God descended on him. Even before he started his earthly ministry, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Don't be surprised that when you're following the Spirit that you're not led into some seasons of wilderness. 
so that it can perfect and complete the things that are lacking in me and you. You know, one of the places I found that that happens the most is in family and community and relationship. We run from the very things that will complete us. You know, how do you know that your love is complete if you've never done life with somebody? How do you know that your mercy and kindness and compassion, how do you know you even have the fruit of the Spirit developing in your life if it's never been challenged? If you run from every argument and every conflict, and if I run from every opposition, every offense, if I run from everything that's challenging those things on the inside of me, then how is it ever going to be perfected and me be prepared for the new seasons of life that God's bringing me to? Amen? So consecration is a preparation, and God's preparing you, and he has been preparing you, and he will keep preparing you for all the seasons of life. Legacy, you're being prepared. You've been prepared. There's pain in the middle of it, and there's loss, and there's things that happen that we don't always understand, but I promise you, if you'll just stay hooked up and stay focused and following his presence and trust the process, there is a purpose in it, and it'll make you stronger. It'll make you steadfast. It'll cause you to endure. It'll cause you to be perfect and complete in things that you were lacking. Amen? The third thing that we see here, which is really, this is the the, the, the response, the moment of faith, and that is, as he said, step in the water. Step in the water. Step in the water. Everybody say, step in the water. You know, one thing that I've noticed about the contrast of Moses and Joshua here, if you remember, some of you maybe you're not as, uh, uh, you maybe you don't, haven't read uh, the Bible very much, and you may not know, forgive me if you don't attach these stories, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to kind of highlight a couple of things. So, you know the story of Moses where they crossed the Red Sea. Many people know that story. You know, that story contrasts this story because in that story, what happened was, was that when God wanted to do something, he did it through one man. And when it happened, the people responded. So, what happened is, is they looked to Moses, right? They were looking. So, when God said cross the Red Sea, they were waiting on the man to do something, they were waiting on him to lift his staff and to say the magic words and to say the right things. And then when all that happened, the Red Sea crossed, he didn't say step in the Red Sea. He, he told Moses what to do, and he did it. And then God did it, and then the people responded. This is different. This is different. He said, I'm, he said I need a remnant of people who will carry my presence. I need a remnant of people who will carry my presence and instead of looking at one man, instead of looking at, you know, that, that, that special person, I need some people who will believe that when they step in the water, something will happen. And instead of waiting on the waters to move before we go, I need somebody who's willing to step in the brink of the waters before I even do anything. It's totally different. It's almost like the contrast between Old Testament and New Testament. And I'm telling you, we're living in a grace and dispensation where, for some reason, we always, as a church, sometimes we want to put people on this hierarchy. We want to follow personalities and not presence. We want to follow, you know, this powerful person. And I believe in honoring people and honoring our pastors. But can I tell you that God is empowering a church who will step in the waters and quit waiting on somebody to lift a staff or somebody to say the magic words or somebody to do something that, you know what, that, that he's waiting for. You know what, what is that step for you? What is that step for me? 
Maybe it's leading a small group. Maybe it's sowing seed towards the building. Maybe it's whatever it is. What, maybe it's, it's, it's just uh, uh, coming and getting more involved in serving and being a part. But there's a step. You could probably do some inventory right now with the Holy Spirit that there is maybe something he's asking you to respond to. And, and here's the thing is, is I don't get to move forward until I respond to that. He's waiting on a remnant of people. There, I know not everybody will. And we'll even see here in the story, it, not everybody's going to participate, but he doesn't need everybody. He just needs a remnant who will carry the presence. He didn't ask the whole nation to step in. He asked the priest to step in. And I don't know if you know this or not, but when you become a believer, you become like that priest. You begin a, to be a carrier of the presence of God. You become the temple. You become the priest. You become the sacrifice all in one thing. And he said, I want you to carry the presence. And I, whenever we go, whenever we move, when the church has vision and I download vision, I'm looking for a people who will step in the water. Not complain because the water's too cold or, you know, the water's at flood stage. Why don't we just wait a little while? It's at flood stage. It's going to be down in this little while. Isn't it awesome that God chose a season of time when it seemed the most impossible to go across the Jordan River instead of waiting? God could have waited. They could have waited till the right season. God, why don't we just wait? Why don't, that's just, that's foolishness. We need to wait. And God's saying, step. We need to wait. That in just a little while, that, that flood stage is going to go down. We can almost walk on rocks across and not even get our feet wet. And he said, no, I need somebody to step. I need somebody to step. I need somebody to pray. I need somebody to give. I need somebody to step into leadership. I need somebody to lead. I need somebody to instruct and help and encourage I need somebody to do some things that maybe it's been uncomfortable for them and they're waiting on the perfect situation and God's saying it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be the greatest, most convenient moment. But will you step? And will you believe that when you step in the water that I'll respond? Amen? So we're going to step in the water. The fourth thing, and really we're going to close with this and Got a couple more things, but the fourth thing is this, and I, I love this passage. If you notice at verse 17, he didn't ask the priest to step in the water and go across. He asked that remnant of people to step in and stay in the middle. He said, I need somebody that not only will step in the water, but when it dries up, they're not going to be in such a hurry to get across themselves and get what they want. They're going to stand in the middle and allow their obedience to be a passage for others to pass through. See, church, church is not about you just getting your blessing. Now, he didn't say you wouldn't get it, but sometimes he's just looking for a remnant of people that will stand in the middle while the waters are being held back and just stand because they know their obedience is, is listen, going to be responsible for many others who maybe couldn't do what you did, but they're going to get to pass into the same blessing that you're going to walk into because of your obedience. He's looking for some mighty men and women full of faith that'll step in the water. But you know what? Not just full of faith full of something on the inside of them that is constantly caring and, and, and passionate about other people. You know, if you look through the, the Bible and you just, man, you just, 
look through and look at all of the passages of Scripture that talk about what we should do with each other. Can I tell you that this thing is about others? It always has been. It always will be. He says to love one another, be devoted to one another, honor one another, accept one another, instruct one another, serve one another, greet one another. He said wait on each other. Pray for one another. Carry the burdens of each other. Be kind to one another. Be compassionate to one another. Forgive one another. Submit to one another. Teach one another. Admonish one another. Build one another. Encourage one another. If you think that this is a solo thing, then you've missed it already. I know we all go through desperate moments where all we can see is our own pain, but if you could just look beyond your own pain, I could just look and realize that there's something bigger about my obedience. My heart breaks for the church in America. I go all over the world. I love missions, and I try not to be real ugly to the church in America because I am that, and I'm in that culture, and I understand. There's something that's broken in us sometimes because we get so consumed by us. And our breakthrough that we forget that maybe God wants to do something in me for the sake of somebody else. Because then what that does, it allows me to be disobedient because I think it only affects me, but it doesn't. It affects generations. You know, my my kids need to pass through. generations of young people that don't know how to grab what you can grab. They don't have the resources that we have. Sometimes our job in standing in the middle is not just about listen, about just what I'm going to get whenever I give, but what if I could give and just believe God that I could sow into the kingdom so much that I'll empower the next generation and give them passage where, 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 where they otherwise wouldn't have it reach a community like you guys just did by giving, listen, you know what that is? That's stepping in the water. You guys are stepping in the water. You guys are stepping in the water. But in the middle, what's going to happen is, is there's going to be a joy. Could you imagine sitting there holding the ark and standing? Could you imagine the joy of being the pioneers that stepped in? standing in the middle and then watching as they all pass you and they begin to reach the other side. They step into the promised land. I can give you a glimpse of what that may feel like for us is whenever we, whether Jesus comes back or we get to heaven. But when we stand there and we realize sometimes we don't even know all the lives I got to pass because of my obedience. But I can only imagine it to be like that same joy that somebody else stepped into their ultimate promised land because I was willing to just be obedient and stand. World is going to get crazy. Life is going to get crazy. But will you step and will you stand? I'm going to ask you to respond this morning. I'm going to ask you to respond as a church family. This is something that's been on my heart that I never really end, I don't like to end without always giving an opportunity for somebody here today to say yes to Jesus and surrender your life to Jesus. And so what I'm going to do is, is I, 
we're going to open the altars here in a minute. And maybe that is your step right now. Your step in the water is simply where you're at right now is to say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I, I, I need you. I want to surrender my life to you today. I want to be a part of this. And maybe you're far from the Lord. Maybe you don't know what your relationship is really like. You know it's disconnected. It's broken fellowship. Maybe you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. Maybe you've never had that relationship or been surrendered. This is a moment to step in the water. But I'm also calling out all of us that are here today that are a part of this church family. I want us to just worship for a few seconds at the end. But I want us to respond. You know, the altar is a funny thing, especially in this New Testament world that we live in. You know, this this space between the chairs and the stage this morning, we're calling the altar. And I know the altar can be all kinds of places. It can be in your car. It can be beside your bed. It can be in your living room. I know it's wherever we decide to sit down and really worship God, it becomes an altar. But it's not just about worship. It is also about sacrifice. And today, we're going to, as a church family, we're going to call this the altar. There's an Old Testament promise that I believe is a New Testament principle. And he said, if you'll build an altar and bring my people there, I'll meet them there. So whether you're meeting him for the first time today or maybe today you're just renewing some commitments or saying, you know what, I'm inspired and it just confirms what's boiling on the inside of my heart and I'm going to be one of those that responds, but I want to be in that remnant. I want to step in the water for the sake of Withfield and this surrounding area and these communities that, God, I'm available. Father, I thank you right now for your presence. I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in the church. Father, I thank you for using people broken and ordinary, maybe people that seem uncommon or disqualified. I thank you that you use us to make a difference for generations. I thank you for this church. I thank you for those that are here today that maybe are far from you that are going to step into a relationship with you today. Right now, if you're sitting there in your seat and you're and you are one of those that feel far from the Lord and I tell you it's just real simple we don't have to follow any real big path and God's not as concerned about what you say as much as it is what's going on in your heart but if you'll just simply acknowledge that you're far from him and that you need him today if you'll simply listen he's not waiting on you to confess a list he's just waiting for you to say I need you I'm sorry I know I'm not living right I know I'm far from you but today surrendering my life to you to not only just save me but I want you to be my Lord I want a relationship with you today I need you Father I thank you today thank you for blessing this house in Jesus name I pray Amen so here's what I'm going to ask you to do as we go into worship I want to ask you to make a step if that's you if you say I want to step in the water I'm asking you to come right now come on let's just step in the water say that's me I want to step in the water step in today. I want to be a part of that crowd, that remnant. Thank you, Father. Let's just pray together. Say, Father, today I step. I step into new beginnings. I step into more influence to be that person that you can call upon. Impart to me because I consecrate myself to you I seek your presence to follow your presence and to be filled with your presence thank you Lord thank you Father
Father, we thank you for the impartation of your spirit today into your people through this message. Father, that we'll take the steps. If, if no one goes, we'll go. We'll take the steps. We'll be the remnant. We'll be the ones to carry your presence in these last days. Thank you, Father, that you use us all, that you called us all, there's a place for all of us to be used in our church, at our work, for the kingdom of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thanks for listening today. You can keep up with fresh content, find out more about our upcoming events, and give to support Legacy Church all online at LegacyFamily.tv. From all of us here at Legacy Church, have a blessed week.